are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome back to another episode of Call for Caring's Empowerment Hour. My name is Michelle Bolden, and I am your guide as we journey through caregiving together. The Empowerment Hour will bring inspiration, education, and resources to our audience of family caregivers. And the information you receive today is tangible information that you should be able to use right away. So we're excited to bring you this information and to inspire our caregivers during during their journey. During season three, we would like to hear from you. So please share your areas of interest for future episodes by subscribing first and adding your comments to our episodes, starting with today's episode. So let's begin today with some numbers. Per the American Association of Caregiving Youth in the United States, 5.4 million, million caregivers are children and teenagers aged 18 years and younger. 22% of young adults drop out of school to care for a family member. Now, the National Alliance of Caregiving and the ARP reports over 18% of caregivers are between the ages of 18 to 24. Often these students are African-American, Hispanic, Asian, or other minority races and ethnic backgrounds. These student caregivers provide an average of 21.6 hours of care per week. In addition to attending classes and caring for their loved ones, these student caregivers are often employed. Lots and lots and lots going on with our young caregivers. And so our topic today is young, gifted, and caregiving. This is going to be a part of a series of conversations we will have around the topic of young caregivers. So today we are joined by Elaine Tamargo, a young caregiver who is here to share her journey of caregiving and also being an advocate for other young caregivers. Welcome, Elaine. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you're here and to share your journey because we really want to hear from this growing group of young caregivers. We think about the caregiver being a young or middle-aged woman, right? And so that is changing. And so we want to talk about this demographic that we sometimes forget about because we don't see them generally as caregivers. It's just a part of helping in the home or helping the family out. But we need to recognize it. it is often way more than that, right? Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, So my name's Elaine, um, and I am currently a PhD student at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. Um, And I uh, became a caregiver in April 2018, just a few months after I started my PhD program. So um, I am a part-time caregiver for my dad. He had uh, two strokes during my first year. And, um, you know, I I, I didn't really know what caregiving was. Like you mentioned, it was just family responsibilities. I'm an only child. Um, my mom is a nurse. So my mom takes okay. up the majority of the caregiving, okay. like health wise, but, um, you know, things like helping around the house or driving my dad since he could drive anymore, um, running errands, things like that. Um, I didn't, I didn't think it was caregiving until, you know, I was having some trouble in my program and trying to figure out like, what is this? What is this thing I'm going through? And um, yeah, so I, um, so it's been five years already. I can't oh, wow. believe it. I'm wow. still in my PhD program. I'm hopefully finishing, you know, in the next year or two. Um, but yeah, I um, have worked in higher education um, since um uh, 2013. Um, I've worked in career counseling. So I've done a lot of student advising, student support. And um, this was definitely a case where like, okay, if I was advising a student going through my situation, what would be the things that I would tell that student? Um, And so that's how I started kind of looking for resources and things like that um, at my university or through my professional association um, for student affairs professionals, but also just like 
finding other caregivers and what does it mean to be a, a young caregiver? Um, so, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about finding other caregivers. Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you? Were you able to find other young caregivers? So um, I, I was lucky that this was really the first time a health related thing had happened to me and my family. Um, so when it happened, I, I, I didn't exactly know what to do, but I, I told, you know, you know, I, I, I told my advisors, I told my professors, I told, you know, my classmates. Um, so it just got into this pattern of just telling people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I found myself even, even when meeting someone like who didn't know me as well, they would find out my dad had a stroke relatively quickly and that that was something I was dealing with in the PhD mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. um, and by just sort of telling people over and over again, I would find like, oh, you know, one of one of my professors had to care for her mom when she was in grad mm -hmm. school or mm -hmm. another student, um, their their parents OK now. But during undergrad, they had to take care of their parent. Or, mm -hmm. So it was really through sort of telling people and then kind of finding out like, oh, there's some overlapping experiences here. Right. That was the primary way I found people. Um, I um, I tried to go to our university's uh, students with dependents office that was like the first kind of place I went uh, to look for resources and they definitely had addressed that there were uh, caregivers who were taking care of um, people over 18 but I realized that a lot of the resources on their website were still catered more towards student parents um, yeah. which is a very important population but definitely right. I'm in a very different situation right, just, right. you know didn't quite match up um, yeah. but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say, and, and so that's um, just kind of key being able to find people who are having, having your same experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so one, it makes you feel like you're not alone. You have that support and able to be able to um, get ideas or feedback of, you know, how do you handle classes and what did you do to change your schedule and where did you live and, you know, did you still work and, you know, all those things that you sometimes are able to grow and learn from other people who have your other experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I want to applaud you for sharing that that was your journey. You know, you that's primarily how you found out other people were having that journey because you shared it. And even as older adults, we don't share that journey. We don't share it with our employer. We don't share it with, you know, the people that we hang out with or we go to lunch with um, because we think it's so private, right? And we're the only ones going through it. So I really want to applaud you for sharing what's going on because that's how other people learn. That's how you find out other people are going through the journey as well. And so I just, I think that's awesome that you're sharing that journey. And that's why you're here today as well, to kind of share what's going on so other people can learn from it. Now, I just want to talk a little bit more about kind of your dad's journey right now. And so um, when your dad first had a stroke, how were you managing school and how many hours were you spending at home? Were you commuting? Kind of tell me what that looked like okay. in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so April, 2018, um, so I, I, um, in our, uh, system, uh, at school, it's on the Porter system. So it was literally the first day of class. It was going to oh, be the wow. first day of class with my advisor. Um, and I got a call from my mom. I had to go. Um, yeah. And, and that, I guess that sort of started the cycle of like, well, I just have to tell people this. I never miss class. So I have to tell my advisor why I'm missing class. I don't know what's happening. I needed to print something out. This was in the pre-COVID days. And so I had to ask a friend to print something out for me to give to my advisor. Um, just all these funny things like that. Um, my dad was in the hospital for two months, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and so during that time, um, I would, you know, it, it definitely was a period of adjustment. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to take time off. We had just started the quarter. So I wasn't sure, am I going to take any of these classes? Right. Am I going to stick with them? Things like that. Um, and, and I had kind of put that sort of stream of consciousness into my communications with my professors. Mm -hmm. um, how many hours? I believe I was taking um, either three or four classes that quarter. I still stuck with them. I didn't end up um, dropping or anything like that. I was also a student leader at the time and okay. our, um, our first year exams were coming up. And so kind of having that other role of advocating for my students who are nervous about this exam. 
And yeah, just, not, you know, so things like going to faculty meetings, I would still do that. I would, um, I would, you know, write up the communications between the faculty and the first year uh, cohorts. And um, it, it just felt like, okay, well, like, there are all these things I have to do. And uh, I just have to manage it for now, because that's that, that it just, I can't even remember, honestly, how many hours I spent at the hospital versus at school. I just, um, I was lucky, you know, even though I um, had already been living closer to school, uh, my parents live about 25, 30 miles away. You know, LA is not the easiest to commute in, but oh, it was yeah. still manageable yeah. um, that I could possibly do kind of split days where like kind of a home day by the hospital and then come to campus and, and do school stuff or vice versa. Um, but I would say I was probably dividing like half time. I definitely spent all the weekends down the hospital. I would I would spend some mornings at the hospital and then go to, to school or vice versa. Um, yeah, my poor roommate, <laughs> she wouldn't see me for like days at a time. And she would she would only know I was home based on um, if my door was open or something. But yeah, I there would be I, I would commute, you know, sometimes at like 5 a.m. just to avoid traffic. Oh, wow. Things yeah. like that. Um, just these things that now looking back like four or five years later, I'm like, oh, I did that. How did I do that? I'm not exactly yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You know, you were in the moment and you just managed the way that you could. Right. And the blessing in that is that you were able to continue to stay in class. Now, you juggled a lot to do that, but you were able to continue to take your classes. Now, how long did you do that? How long was that process for you? Yeah, so... You know, um, he was in the hospital for two months. Um, I think um, I, um, by the time he left the hospital, I was still taking those classes. Um, yeah, the the summer was very interesting. Um, I think we, I didn't have regular classes, but it was still, again, the pre-pandemic era. So coming to do research work on campus was pretty much expected. But uh, as, as with any PhD or graduate program, research can be really flexible. And so managing that flexibility, but with the expectation of being on campus was was really difficult. And um, when my dad was starting up like PT and OT and those types of appointments, I would I would go down there, um, that kind of thing. Um, he actually had another stroke later in the summer. Oh, wow. um, and I think at that point, I, I I sort of just like, okay, I, I it was the end of July. And I did just tell my advisor, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't exactly know what's going on, because they, they didn't, they weren't sure what it was at first, it turned mm. out to be a second stroke. And I just didn't come back to campus until school started that, that I think, mm. for some reason, even though summer should be a more flexible time, it was some, yeah. something, it was harder that the things weren't scheduled and that like, oh, you're expected to some, come some sort of hours maybe someday, you know, and it, it just ended up like I didn't come back to campus until school started again. So mm. at that point, I couldn't really manage it as well. Um, the same thing, though, once school started, and there were scheduled classes, and it was easier to figure out, okay, when am I expected on campus? Could I possibly schedule my dad's PT and OT around that? Can I work with my mom's schedule? So I don't have to come back to um, to bring him as often, you know, it, it, it somehow got easier then. Um, but it was, it was still a lot of driving a lot of schedule rearranging um right. and definitely the pace of my work definitely slowed down on the school side I was still taking classes but I wasn't making as much progress toward like things you're supposed to do in a PhD program <laughs> right right yeah. yeah yeah um that that's amazing that's amazing and you know it's it's like it happened so fast and it was so much that your mind doesn't even remember that you just know you survived on the other end of it right and where you are today and how your dad looks and, ap and appears and because when we have so much juggling and going things are going so fast um it flies by us and we don't realize the things that we're doing until we get to a point of burnout. Right. Yeah. And so you hit a point where even, you know, it sounds like your work started to slow down. You were fatigued. I mean, you have been doing this for months now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some things had to slow down. You had to not go back to campus. Mm -hmm. um, and so our body and our mind and our spirit tells us, 
I'm tired. You know, you want to do all of these things, but physically and mentally, you can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to learn to slow down and to ask for help and to do all of those things as well. And so, you know, even in my youth, I thought I was a super woman and could do all of these things. And so, you know, we do, even as women, we do that as well. We think that we can handle everything. You know, we don't want to say no and all those other things as well. Um, you did handle it, but it's a journey and people need to know that um, it's a journey. You don't have to travel alone, right? There's, there's things that resources that are there, or maybe you create resources that need to be there for yourself and the next person. So you, you began to talk a little bit about the school and how you reached out to the school, but things were really for parents. So tell me a little bit more about, um, if the school was able to help you or what were you looking for them to help you with? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, early on, I looked up at the resources. Um, some of the terminology was helpful. Yeah. This idea of dependence. And I'm like, well, it's not really a dependent, you know, but there are dependents that are over 18. Okay. Maybe I can start going with that kind of idea. Um, it actually wasn't until uh maybe even a, a year or so later, we were already in um, in the COVID virtual times. Um, all of the orientations were on uh, Zoom that year. I want to say it was fall 2020. So a, a little bit of time after I'd started being a caregiver. Um, I ended up in the in a room with people from from the, that resource center, the, the Bruin Resource Center. And I asked the director, I was like, oh, you know, I, I I want to let you know, I, I do take care of my dad. Like, I don't really consider him my dependent because I'm still his kid and my mom is there. But, you know, there's this thing that like people take care of their parents. Is there something like that? Right. And he had mentioned like, oh, you know, we did. It, it was a staffing issue. Basically, that's kind of what, oh, we did have a staff person that that like, you know, had dealt with sort of those things or, or was putting together resources on that, but we're not staffed anymore. You know, student affairs and higher education administration is going through a lot of difficulty. Um, and especially during the pandemic, you know, sort of that great resignation, all of that stuff really affected right. um, student affairs a lot. Um, but, the, you know, just at least some validation that like, yes, we know this is something going on. Um, since I wasn't finding as much at school, I did, um, try to like look up different places so um this is really cheesy but i actually on facebook there were uh, i just looked up caregiver or young caregiver i had found this article saying that like one third or so of of caregivers new caregivers during the pandemic were millennials i was like oh that's me mm -hmm. um and so i looked up millennial car caregiver young caregiver and i found some facebook groups and i was like okay yeah, well let me just right. join them yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so i joined one for young caregivers and i joined one for stroke caregivers and um both of them um even though i'm not like a poster it is nice to hear or see the narratives and awesome. the types of questions people have so I learned a lot about like the types of resources people ask for. Um, and um, especially like with stroke, it's all of the symptoms are so, or, or, or all the, the results are kind of different, but it, it, it was helpful to hear that like, oh, okay, it's not just physical stuff. Some people were also um, experiencing kind of like emotional differences with their loved one too. And I was like, okay, that, that was really validating. Cause I, right. yeah. So yeah. the just, seeing those narratives was actually yeah. really helpful um yeah. and um at some point i i had this i don't know like inspiration bit or something where i wanted to bring caregiving to student affairs and higher education because mm. it, it didn't it, it didn't feel I, I i still couldn't find as much as i wanted to um right. so i submitted a you know, I, I knew I didn't have enough time to do my own research project, you know, PhD mind, like, oh, can I go research and <laughs> awesome, make a awesome. topic or something? Um, but I, I wasn't quite there yet. I was like, oh, let me just see if people are interested in this topic and if I can, you know, kind of share. And so um, so that's um, how I, I applied to or I made a proposal to share my story at um, at the at the NASPA, the big annual student affairs conference. I, so I, I did that around this time last year, actually, um, to see if people yeah. were interested. And I got I got selected, I got to do it. And so I did that in April. Um, and that was like a really cool experience to yeah. to bring kind of 
the, my student affairs world, which I've been in for so long. And I, I really, you know, um, that's like where my professional development has really been in. And then this very personal thing that's been happening with me and my right. family, but just kind of just something make feeling that like, okay, I think there's something there. I, and it, it, it's been, it's, it's been really cool. After I did that in April, I got connected to, to different people who, yeah, related and like, you know, like, um, like Felicia, our mutual contact, um, you know, we've been working on caregiving stuff together for, for higher ed. And then um, a student at UCLA actually saw my talk after I posted it. It turned out she was a caregiver as well, um, an undergrad caregiving awesome. for her mom. So, you know, working together, like, you know, sharing that similar experience. Right. right. Um, and talking about, can we get the, the campus to to make a survey question, something to mm. help identify caregivers? Yes. Or can we put up a resource page that's just evergreen and just, uh, you know, right. at least for some, for the next person like me looking for something, even if they can't find like a physical human person yet, if they're still not fully staffed, maybe they could find, yeah, a great list of resources right. and places to, to keep going. So Yes, that was <laughs> very long, yeah. but that was kind of the, some of the stuff that I, I started looking for through school. And then when I didn't find it, like, oh, let's just, you know, go with the same tactic. If I've been right. telling people, let's see if I tell more people and what could happen. And right. I do think I've um, been connected so much more since then. And it's, it's, it, it's good. It's, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's awesome. You know, and you bring up a, a several good points. Um, just the definitions when we talk about dependent and caregiving, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, if you put a poster up that says, you know, if you're a caregiver, you can use this information. Well, people don't recognize that they're caregivers, right? Yeah. And so it's just part of what I do for my family. You know, if, you know, you go to the grocery store with your mom, you know, you help out in the store. Okay, yeah, that's helping your mom out. But if you're going to the grocery store for your mom because she can't go for herself, mm -hmm. if you're cooking for your mom, if you're having to go home and help her to get dressed or undressed, if you're having to prepare her medications, um, if you're having to take her to the doctor because she can't drive herself anymore, if you're having to take them to therapy, you are a caregiver, right? That's above and beyond just you know, loving on your mom and helping them out. And so we do want to recognize that because if you don't recognize your, your caregiver, you get to a place of burnout and then you wonder why and what happened, right? So when we recognize that, then we have to be able to stop and do some things for ourselves or to be able to get help so we can care for them. The other definition is dependent. And so when we often think about dependent, we think upon someone financially supporting me or I'm, I'm financially supporting th them, right? And so that mm -hmm. makes them my dependent. We think about finances, but really a dependent is someone who depends on you in multiple ways to take care of you, right? And so when we think about the term dependent, we have to switch it from just financial to someone depends on me to give them a bath. Someone depends on me to make their meals, right? They may still be paying the bills, but they are dependent upon me to do certain things. And so I hope that helps our young caregivers to understand about, yes, you do have a dependent now. And so maybe if your employer has a dependent, um, uh, one of the benefits in which you can pay for care for your dependent. So you have an adult, but your employer covers adult daycare and you can get pre-tax on paying for those things, you can put it in a flexible spending account or something, then that's dependent care. Your adult parent is dependent upon you, right? So let's use that term to for what it's meant for. It's not just children, but it's adults. And so we really have to define and grasp on the help that's available, right? So if I can have someone to help pay to care for a loved one and it's free tax dollars, then let's use our flexible dependent accounts to do that. So those are great points um, just about that, about that care in general. And so we talked a little bit about how you saw what was out there, you kind of changed the course for yourself, changed the course for your university and changed the course for other caregivers. So tell me a little bit how you think your current caregiving journey, because you're still helping to care for your mm -hmm. dad, has impacted your own personal goals, where you expect it to be, where you are right now. So let's just talk a little bit more about kind of you sure. and expectations. Yeah. Um, so I, um, 
So I, I started my PhD in, in 2017. Um, I I had actually done my master's at UCLA a little bit prior. And one of the reasons why I chose UCLA is so that I could finish faster. You know, I knew a PhD would be a slog. I knew it would be big. But if I had already completed some requirements, maybe I could get out much sooner. Um, and the the really funny thing to look back now, it's, it's I'm entering my seventh year. And and that's fine. That's, that's how it, it turned out. But I had professors, you know, jokingly, say like Elaine do you want to get out in three I was like that'd be great get in get out get the PhD do you know my next thing um if that didn't happen yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) um and I think you know one of the things for sure that that caregiving journey impacted with regards to my uh, PhD journey is that I I had thought you know I, I was a career counselor before grad school and I went to my PhD, I thought I had to go all research. I thought I had to really like be an academic to fit in. And once some of this stuff was happening with my dad, once the pandemic was kind of hitting and we were just much more isolated, I was like, you know, I really miss students. I would love to work in student affairs again. I know how tiring it can be, but um, yeah, I just wanted something like that to fill my cup. And so I actually uh, um, saw you know, part-time grad position at our at our career center at UCLA. It's like, well, I never imagined I'd go back to working at a career center, but some of this stuff sounds interesting. Um, so I ended up applying and I've been there, you know, since fall 2020. And I do think it's really like made an impact like on how I, yeah, I don't just have to be a researcher. I don't just have to be a practitioner. I could mm-hmm. try to do both. Um, mm-hmm. So that's sort of one of the things that have, besides, you know, taking longer, besides, um, you know, just sticking to research, I do think it's it's been valuable and in, in kind of recentering me to like, okay, what do I, what do I like enjoy doing that like doesn't feel like work? Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think you know, sort of um, just my outlook on what my next goals are has changed a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I am an only child. I you know I did know that like I, you know whatever I end up doing. With my life, I wanted to to help, you know, my parents. I want to make sure it like shows all the great sacrifices they made and stuff like that. That like, oh, they're gonna have a doctor in the family. They're gonna have, you know, whoever this person is gonna be. Um, but I, I think personally, like I said, once I started, I was never the person who would like dump their sort of weird personal stuff in places like class or like with professors. But once I was realizing people were relating to that, um, I I tried to like, I realized this outlook of like, you know, bringing together some personal things and professional spaces was was something I of a priority of mine. Um, mm-hmm. So this idea of bringing caregiving and, and other voices into student affairs. Um, yeah, just kind of going with like, okay, I have an instinct here, let me see what I can do with it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like sort of how my outlook has changed a little bit just being like you know I, I my 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 word for 2023 was voice and it's a, another kind of cheesy thing but um you know it's like you know I, I I I have to write this dissertation um but why why can't I infuse some of my voice and do it you know it's it's very um, that kind of thing so you know if if um, I've been volunteering for these conferences you know instead of just like, you know, presenting kind of impersonal professional things, why don't I like infuse some of myself into that and see what happens? Right. Um, and, and it's been cool. I, I, um, I competed at this, you know, UC wide um, research talk where we, we talk about our research in three minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I did that. I, I, I did the, the talk at NASPA about caregiving and yeah, I've, I've been writing little blogs and stuff. And so I do awesome. think like, yeah, just the, the different ways I've, right. I've used my professional time, I think yes. um, is is a little bit different. So yeah, I still, you know, have the same like big goals. I want to do good for my parents and stuff like that. But I think in sort of the, the ways I'm bringing myself into some of these professional spaces has um, just like with more intention. And it's kind of like, well, if they can't handle that, like, oh yeah, my dad had a stroke or like, you know, I'm very, you know, particular about like, oh, okay, like, are we, 
um, you know, are we taking into account like different perspectives or things like that? That's, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being me. That's really all right. I can That's right. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's awesome. And I know you said some, a couple of things about being cheesy, but I think it's amazing what you're doing with your word for the year voice. I mean, you're using your voice on this podcast, right? I mean, you're able to do that. So I think that's awesome that you're choosing a word and you're moving forward with that word as well. And I hear Facebook groups a lot are a great resource for caregivers. And so I'm glad you were able to find a group for young people for strokes that met your needs as well. And so as we started the podcast, we talked about this group of caregivers who work, take care of a loved one and go to school. And so you fall into that bucket of doing all those things. So what self-care routine do you have? Or if you don't have one, what self-care routine would you desire to have? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, um, the first thing that came to mind when you asked, um, so I, um, I do ballet. That's like my, that's my thing. I, I, um, if you, if you ever meet me in person, I'm, I'm quite curvy. I don't look like a ballerina at all, but I, I had done it since I was a kid. I, I loved it so much. And um, last December, I saw my old studio's production of the Nutcracker and like that just, okay, next year, Elaine, 2023, go back to ballet. So that, that's definitely purely for me. It's a good self-care away from like, not just caregiving work, but regular work too, you know, we're very device heavy in, in student affairs. And so that is like a time where the phone is away and my body is doing something completely different. And that is for sure my big self-care thing. Um, I, I also realized I, I really like my sparkly things. Um, so, <laughs> you know, if I like something that's sparkly, I'll wear it. That's kind of like my little self-care thing. Like I, okay, I like to I wear it. things that make me feel good. I love your earrings. Um, uh, yeah, so you. something like that. I, I can't wear them when I have headphones on, but yeah. So I, I love, you know, the, the small things are like sparkly things, or if I, you know, if I want a certain ice cream flavor, that's totally fine. You know, that's yeah. nice. Um, the sort of bigger self-care thing is that my mom and I, um, we love to travel. And so um, I always joke that we travel in a way that is not for everyone. Uh, we get a lot done in a, you know, a short period of time. And, and so uh, my mom and I, uh, even, even with my dad's stroke, we've been able to um, travel together um, every summer um, sometimes even twice a year, um, we'll, we'll, we'll Wonderful. take a little bit of time for ourselves. Uh, we'll plan, you know, something. And, and I think that like, even though that's not as often, I do think it's kind of in my head as a routine of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that's been very important for, yeah, for, for us too. That's awesome. Because even if you do it once a year, twice a year, just the thought of you planning for that trip and it's three months away and it's four months away can be exciting. And you just live in that moment, which can take you away from the stress of what you're doing with caregiving sometimes. Right. And so I love that you guys have a routine and I love the whole ballerina thing. And I think that a ballerina looks like you, right? (laughs) So whatever you look like, curvy, straight, short, I mean, you know, it, it, we have to get away from these images of what things look like. Cause in reality, most people don't look like that, but they feel mm-hmm. they're ballerinas. So you yeah. are who you say you are. Right. And so a ballerina looks just like you. So I think that's amazing. And I love that you're doing that. So this conversation has been good, but we're going to take a short little sponsor break and then we're going to come back and um, have more conversation with Elaine. So we'll be right back. Call for Caring, in partnership with Impact Church, presents the 4th Atlanta Family Caregivers Expo on Saturday, November the 18th at the indoor facilities of Impact Church. This event will include new and returning resources for the family caregivers. What's new? Our inaugural Breakfast of Champions, a family caregivers celebration fundraiser and our self-care room. Learn, enjoy, and be pampered for the day. We are also introducing our meditation room, a space of calmness and rejuvenation. What's returning this year? Our amazing speaker series, the virtual dementia tour, complimentary 
companion care for your loved one and over 35 vendors to support you and your caregiving journey. Register at callforcaring.org expo. We're looking forward to seeing you soon. Welcome back. We are having an amazing conversation with Elaine and um, she has been sharing her journey as a caregiver and also an advocate for young caregivers. And so Elaine, I want to talk just a little bit more about your personal journey with your family. And, you know, when we talk about caregiving, we talk, you know, about being stressful, you have a lot to do. Um, but there's also some moments that are blessings and that make us laugh or smile or shock. And so can you share a moment during your journey where you kind of experience those great emotions that we often do during caregiving? Sure. Um, so like I mentioned, I I don't live with my parents. You know, I live about 20, 30 miles away, but I, I do uh, go back frequently. I stay there on the weekends. Um, and I, <laughs> um, just earlier this summer, um, I was traveling, I think, um, I, I was visiting a friend and I had called my parents and my dad was so excited because some of the plants that my mom and I had brought back from our travels, they just looked like little green sticks for a year, two years. I think some of them are even, yeah, two and a half years old. And mm-hmm. he was so excited to tell me, it's like, uh, my parents call me Jess, Jess your plumeria has flowers. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I watered them every day. I thought they were dead. You know, he was telling me and he does, he, he waters, he waters the plants every day. Um, and, and they do just look like green sticks. And then all of a sudden this <laughs> summer, maybe from all the rain and everything from all the care he gave to, to my plants, I guess, um, they have flowers. And so, Aww. um, that was such a fun surprise. <laughs> um, and that it was, it was, it was kind of fun that we were like we we all we, d- we didn't know what colors they were gonna be yeah, we were just yeah. like we knew they had leaves but we didn't know if they would ever <laughs> bloom so that was kind of a funny thing where uh yeah oh. it was like kind of brought us together um my dad also loves to sing um sometimes I'll oh, be in okay. zoom meetings that I can hear him singing karaoke um and his, I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah his his, uh, his new thing is he sings both sides of the duet <laughs> which is great too <laughs> so you know I had been like is, is that the TV sound? And like, no, no, that's still my dad. He's just doing the other voice. And so that's always kind of fun too. So those are just a few things that like, yeah. you know, kind of bring us together. We all like to sing. He just really, really loves to sing. Okay. I love it. That's awesome. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. we have to be able to enjoy those moments because there are a lot of moments that bring joy. I mean, caregiver is really a joyful thing and and very fulfilling. It's just, you have to set limits about how you do it and when you do it. Right. And so um, we do want to make sure we share that because it's a blessing. And we were just kind of talking about journeying a little bit, journaling a little bit over the break. And so that's another way to really remember that journey with your loved one is to start journaling uh, what happened, the good, the bad, the, you know, how you met a challenge, how you didn't meet a challenge. Cause we always can't meet challenges, but we can sh- certainly express how we felt about it, which allows for you to get it out. Right. And so journaling is, is another great way to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I love that. I love the singing part. Now, can you all sing or do you just like enjoy karaoke? I think my my dad can sing. Okay. You know, he he has a certain range. I I I'm a church singer. I'll I'll sing ah, at mass. That's kind okay. of that's that's the most consistent thing. Um nice. yeah. So so we do like to sing. I think some of us are better than others. Yeah, he's definitely better okay. than me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's um what are a couple of words of encouragement or what words of encouragement would you offer a young caregiver who's kind of going through the same thing that you went through or you're going through even now as they try to pursue their own educational or career goals? Yeah, I think that, you know, what really comes to mind is like, I just want to give you like, give you credit and then like you know for themselves like try to give themselves credit for what they're doing it 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 feels really hard um you know there's there's this idea that like of like minimizing your own situation because you're not mm-hmm. the one going through the health issue 
but it's still really difficult to to manage you know your own like education and career while taking care of somebody else um you know like kind of mentally it can be it can it's not easy to to keep pushing yourself to like finish the degree or like go for the promotion or the next better job when someone else's needs are very like Mm -hmm. pertinent but it is like if you're still doing it in like even whatever progress is 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 happening no matter how small is something um and so i i do think it's like you know i i so that's like kind of one type of encouragement Mm -hmm. um and i i hope that like even if you're not even if you don't take the same tactic of me of like kind of just sharing and putting it out there that like that you could try to connect or find words or 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 resources that that relate to you like you know yeah. there's there are so many ways to connect with resources and connect with others that are going through something similar um i think you know it's it's okay to not know what you need help with and just just acknowledge um that you might need help at some point right. um right. that was a a helpful tactic with with my professors and advisors um I don't know if I'm going to drop the class. I don't know if I'm going to do this. I just know that I'm not sure right now. And I hope that's okay. And then kind of getting the affirmations back that like, you know, come back to us when you need something, that kind of thing was, was helpful. Um, Yeah. And the second part of that is once you do kind of clarify a little bit more for yourself, what you might need. It's not, it's not ridiculous. It's like any, anything that, you know, I, I think, um, anything that that you could possibly get help with you know with with continuing your education or, or your career goals like there are some resources out there it's, it's just it is hard to kind of figure out what your needs are but hopefully once you figure out what they are then you can find the right. you know mm-hmm. the connection to to get there so those are some things i would hope that like kind of young caregivers take away and that you know it is it's you're still doing a great thing by pursuing your own goals it doesn't diminish your caregiving it doesn't diminish your your care your 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 loved ones you know status or anything like that um, that hope you know even if you're pursuing something completely different from caregiving like the fact that you are you know continuing on in your goals is like is still a great tribute to your loved one absolutely and so um those are such great points and being able to not have to feel guilty about expiring to do things for yourself or someone else has challenges, right? And so more than likely that person wants you to continue to succeed and do the things that you want to do as well. So doing that honors them, but it also honors yourself, right? And so it's not being selfish. It's just continuing to create yourself as an individual, to be able to contribute to society as you would have, whether this journey occurred or not. And so you're still contributing to your family, but you're also contributing to society and things that you wanted for yourself. And that's okay. It, it, you, there's no reason to feel guilty about it. Um, I applaud those who are trying to do all of those, but it may not happen as fast as you like. It may not happen the road that you plan. There may be some little things that turn off, but it doesn't mean that you can't get to your end result. And so just continue to do those things that you wanted for yourself or even your family wanted for you as well. And so um, as we get ready to wrap up, this conversation has gone by so fast, like it normally does. Um, what are the two actions that you recommend um, young family caregivers take immediately after listening to the podcast? So for for my young caregivers out there, I um, I know you mentioned the stats at the beginning, um, but I would recommend looking up some of those reports from AARP or uh, the National um, Center for Caregiving. Um, they're just seeing that even if it's not fully fleshed out or it's still just the beginning it felt really affirming to read that like the typical student caregiver and then just feel like oh okay like you know having some of those things quantified out there like over 20 hours of work you know plus like 30 hours of caregiving it's like yeah that that sounds right and like you know um so i i academic in me but I would recommend reading um, some of those reports or at least looking them up. Um, yeah, it really made a difference to me when I saw that, like, 
like the the largest growing group of caregivers were millennials and Gen Zers. I was like, okay, I'm like I'm definitely not alone in this. This is happening a lot. Right. Um, let's see. I think the other thing I would recommend, um, you know, young and family caregivers to do after after listening is to, um, yeah, hopefully, like, yeah, think back on what some um, some resources that could be helpful. Um, and, you know, recommend it to your department or recommend it to your advisor. Um, it likely if, if it's something that helps you as a, as a caregiver and a student, it'll probably help somebody else in the future too, even if they don't have it. So, um, I, I, I've been talking, you know, in, in many of these conversations that like, um, they're, it's, it's, it is hard to figure out like what exactly could have been helpful, but like, I think, yeah, things like a list of resources or a way to connect student caregivers to each other. Like that's not, that's not small. That's not nothing. That is something. And so, you know, if you have any of these ideas on how to make your, your school environment a little bit better for you, like, you know, recommend it to somebody and hopefully, you Mm -hmm. know, try to, you know, see if if that change could be implemented for the future. So those are two things that, yeah, I hope, um, I hope our student caregivers, you know, yeah, realize they're not alone, that there's, right. there are resources for them, but there's also stuff that they could do to help change their, their school environment. That's right. And because um, this is a, a growing area of concern and something we need to address. So since we're at the beginning of these phases, any recommendations that you can give are, are welcomed, I'm sh- welcomed, I'm sure. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a great action is for you to, um, be able to assist yourself and the, the people who come behind you as well, because this number is only going to continue to grow. And for the university's employers, I mean, we need to be um, very cognizant of this growing uh, number of caregivers. And so we can no longer see it as one person in our mind. We really need to expand and be able to know that there's many other people caring for caregivers um, that are outside of the age of in their 40s, right? And so we just have to make sure we're aware of that. Um, And so now are there, you mentioned some Facebook groups. So are there any websites, social media, et cetera, that you recommend that young caregivers kind of check out um, to kind of help their journey? Yeah. Okay. So um, let's see. Um, So AARP did the collaboration with the Chronicle of Higher Ed. And so there are a few resources there, as well as a a few studies of things that go have gone on at other campuses. Um, And so, uh, yeah, if if you if they are in higher education, or if you if you are um, in sort of student affairs, I think that's definitely something to look at. Um, Yeah, for for me, I I know there was, um, so I joined the Young Caregivers Group but there was also a, another one for caregivers who were specifically paid or employed to be caregivers. So I, I if, if that's kind of your situation, there's um, other groups like that as well. So is that on um, Facebook? You said groups you were That was on Facebook. Facebook. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there, there's so many, yeah, there's so many types of groups on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I think those are the main ones. Um, I, I know the, uh, caregivers month is in November. Uh, this is honestly my first year being even aware of that. And so I'm excited oh. to see like kind of what might come up during that month. Um, yeah. And if, yeah, if anything from, from those kind of programs, I could again, bring back to my school or, or kind of recommend that like UCLA get, get in on. Um, so, so yeah. So some I'm still kind of looking out for, and I'm definitely looking forward to, yeah. to building my knowledge to, to, understand you know get more resources always yeah that's that's awesome um and you know when you talked about Facebook um before and how you didn't post you just kind of observed and that's okay right that's okay you still get a lot of information even though you don't engage you may not post um but you still get a lot of information from that so you can still join the groups um, and be able to get um, information. And that's why people are putting it out there because they want people to learn from what their experiences have been in the past. And so I think that's great as well. 
So Elaine, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey, for being an advocate for caregivers. I'm just so proud of you and your accomplishments and your work to help others. Um, and I'm excited for you, for what your future has for you. And I just want to say, continue to keep up the awesome work that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks so much for this opportunity to, to share a bit about it. Um, it it's, it, yeah, it's it's really so it's it's so cool to know that there are lots of these spaces like your podcast where you know sharing our narratives and stories hopefully you know can connect with somebody out there and, and um it's such like valuable work and I, I, thank you thank you michelle and thank you for having me absolutely and so if there's any social media you want to provide if people want to connect with you you're welcome to share that as well Cool. Yeah. So um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Elaine Jessica Tomargo. You should be able to find me at UCLA. Um, you can also email me uh, my first initial E and then my last name Tomargo, etomargo at g.ucla.edu. Um, I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook. Yeah. Feel free to, to try to find me on Facebook. <laughs> um, but yeah, on Instagram and, and Twitter or X and threads, I have the same um I have the same username, uh, Claude Elaine, C-L-A-U-D, Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E, 26. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm on all the socials. I'm very happy to connect um, and would love to talk more with anyone or connect with anyone who wants to talk caregiving. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. And um, the Empowerment Hour, this episode and others are brought to you by Call for Caring. Um, our organization supports caregivers through resources like today's podcast, um, Expos, as Elaine mentioned, that November is National Family Caregiver Month. We have our fourth Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo coming up in November or November 18th at Impact Church. Registration is open. The expo is free to the public. We will also do live streaming on Facebook via the Call for Caring, Inc., Facebook page. So if you haven't liked our page, check our page out and look for us to stream live on Facebook from that uh, expo that will have great conversations, great vendors and great speakers. Um, we're also going to begin the, the, the event off by starting our first caregiver celebration breakfast, which is a fundraising event. We want to support our caregivers via scholarship. So the tickets are being sold. Space is limited, but you can go to callforcaring.org to get more information on the expo, on the breakfast podcast, and just information about our programs. So today's episode can be heard on uptomeradio.com um, or on your favorite podcast platform. We have added episodes from our season one onto the YouTube channel and are continuing to add episodes on the channel as well. So we hope today's episode of the Empowerment Hour has met our goal to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Thank you.